0: Om Bhatram Karne Bhisranu Yamadevaha Bhatram Pashye Maksha Bhirya Jatrah Sthirai Vyashema deva hit and yad ayuhu. Swastina indrov Swastina puja vishwa Swastina dadhatu. Om shanti, shanti, shanti Hari Yom. May we hear with our ears what is auspicious. May we see with our eyes what is auspicious. While praying with steady limbs. May we attain the lifespan allotted to us. May Indra bestow well-being on us. May Pushan, the God of the earth, who is all-knowing, bestow well-being on us. May Garuda, the destroyer of evil, bestow well-being on us. May Brihaspati also bestow well-being on us. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. So the last class, we concluded the study of the first chapter of the second part of Mundaka Upanishad. So today, we will start with a study of the second chapter of the second part of Mundaka Upanishad. As you all know that, as we have already discussed, there are three parts in Mundaka Panisha and each part has two chapters. So now we're going to start the second chapter of the second part of Mundaka Upanishad. So in the last chapter, the second mantra, we saw that the ultimate reality has been described as formless, attributeless. The second mantra was, Divya hi amurta purusha, sa bhaiha bhyantara hi ajaha, apranah hi amana, shubh hi aksharat paratah para. So, Divya hi amurta purusha, that he is self luminous. Nothing can illumine him. Because of him, everything is illuminated. But at the same time, he is formless, amurta. He is uncreated, ajah. The thing which is ever, which ever is, which was never created, is Ajaha. He was there by his own right in the past. He is there. He will be there. So he's the uncreated one. Akshara. And he's existing both within and without. The entire creation is permeated by him. Though he's formless, but it is because of him the entire creation is. So he's devoid of all the energy. Though The source of all energy is he, but he himself is devoid of all energy, of prana. He is devoid of mind, though it is he because of whom the mind gets activated, but he himself is beyond the mind. He is the pure, shubhra, the higher than the supreme imperishable. That when we find that the creation, the first evolute of the creation is the cosmic mind, is higher even than that. The cosmic mind from which the entire creation has emanated, he is beyond that as the formless amurta, the one without attributes because of whom him everything is but the one who cannot as such be objectified. So now the question is how the immutable can be known though it is formless? So it is formless, attributeless. How can it be known? So the Upanishad starts, the second chapter starts with the affirmation of the fact that though it is formless, though it is beyond attributes, it can be known. So with that idea, it will start. So let us enter the first mantra of the second chapter or the second part of Mundaka Upanishad. What it is saying? Avihi, Guha charang mahat padam, atra etat Samarpitam, ejat pranat, nimishat chayat, etat janatah, sat asat varenyam param, vijnanat varishtam prajanam. So, what it is saying? Avihi. Avihi means it is effulgent. And it is not something extraterrestrial. That he has created the creation and as if thrown out the creation, which is something as if apart from it. It's not like that. That when we design something, the thing which we design is not me. It is something apart from me. But here, it is we mentioned that the self-luminous one, the effulgent one, the one who is the cause of the entire creation is something very near at hand. Sannihitan. Is very is close to you. Where is Guha Charan Namaha? So he is well known as moving in the heart. So whenever Vedanta speaks of heart, it is the intellect. That our the brain is the center of the intellect that we can only know through scanning. But as far our feelings are concerned, when you feel love, you feel through the heart. When you feel Any type of, when you're angry, it is the heart which gets agitated. All the emotions are felt by the heart. There is a link between all our feelings and the heart. The strong feelings can even result in heart attack. So that's the thing which you don't need to scan. It's just palpably something conceivable. You You can just perceive it. You can feel it. So that's why the heart was considered as the center of intellect. So he is as if moving in the heart as the, in the form of the intellect. So though he is formless, but his presence can be felt in the heart. guha Charanama, nama Mahat-padam. etat samarpitam So Mahat-padam. Padam always means the ultimate, the destination. Padam means destination, mahat. So he's the greatest goal. Nothing can be greater than him. Why? Because in it is centered everything. He is like as if the hub of the will of which the entire creation are like the spikes. We are all like the spikes which are fixed to the hub of the will. So he is the center. In him, everything is connected he is the source of everything so atra etat samarpitam everything is as if uh, offered to him it is everything is centered around him so atra etat samarpitam what what all those atra etat means ajat pranat nimishat chayat ajat anything that moves pranat anything that breathes nimishat anything that blinks and by cha it means that even the things which are not moving, the things which are having no as such expression of the vital energy or breath, or the things which doesn't win, the wink, the creature which doesn't wink, or some on, non-animate objects which doesn't, this question of winking, moving, and breathing doesn't come. All these are permeated by him. So, ejat, pranat, nimishat, chayat, etat janat, sat, Asat varenyam param. So know that to be yourself. Now, what is the self? The one who is not far away, is not extraterrestrial. He is within you. He is the because of him. He is the effulgent one, because he is the source of all light. Because of him, you see the sun. It is not that the sun gives light. As the self illumines the sun, so the sun is appears as a luminous being. It is, he's the ultimate source of all illumination. So he is the source, avihi. So, but he's something within you, not far away. When I see the sun, it is far away, but myself, which is illuminating the sun is within me. It is moving within my heart. It is the great goal and everything is centered around him. All that moves, breathes, blinks. So know that to be yourself, which is both gross as well as subtle, anything you see, anything which is subtle, which is gross, everything is permeated by that self and self alone. And which is adorable, vareniam, supreme, param, and beyond the understanding of creatures. So though he is the greatest one, he's the adorable one, but I cannot know him the way I can know any other creatures of the world. There may be many creatures, there may be various beings who are adorable. I can know him, I can objectify him, but this self who is the ultimate, supreme, adorable being, he can never be objectified. That's why he's beyond the understanding of the creatures. So that's the language. It's almost like babbling. A small child have experienced something and It doesn't have the sufficient vocabulary to express. So Upanishad here we find the rishis that their experience has been expressed in the words which appears to be contradictory because it is something which is beyond words, beyond speech. They're trying to explain. So let us just try to uh, go through this each and every, these words and find out the inner meaning of it. So avihi, the luminous, the Brahman is manifest in all entities as asti bhati priya. Asti, it is. It is almost this asti bhati priya is similar to sat chit ananda. It is, and it is luminous bhati. It is conscious. Because of it, everything is illumined. Just as we were saying that the sun is also illumined by the self. How? If I am not here, whether the sun is there, how can I know? Can you know, can uh, the existence of some sun be affirmed? Can it be confirmed without the existence of the animates being the self? It is me who certify the existence of the sun. So that's why they called mahatomahiyan, the one, the self within me is greater than the greatest. The sun is such a huge luminary body, but how it is being illuminated? The self illuminates my mind. My mind through the senses moves out to, it projects out the consciousness through the mind, projects out through the self to encompass the luminous sun to say that it is luminous. So, all the perceptions are happening from within, without, without the self, there cannot be any illumination. The sun doesn't know by itself that it it exists, that it illumines the world. Therefore, its existence, it is me who have to give that existence to the sun. Actually, it is the mind and the senses, the way it is projecting the universe. That's what I see what actually it is can never be known. So the universe is because the self through the mind and the senses is manifesting it the way it is. So it is the self through which everything gets illuminated. So it is bhati, it is bliss, it is priya. That's the meaning of the word avi, that uh, avi he means that asti bhati priya. There's three things which defines that ultimate reality of that, the Bhati factor, the luminosity factor is been expressed by the word Avihi. Sannihita, as we were saying, Brahman is not extraterrestrial. We did not have to search Brahman elsewhere because it is near at hand. Sannihita, Iha, here, within me. Where? guha cha Brahman is well known as moving in the cavity of the heart, but what is moving? There's a very nice, interesting Buddhist uh, anecdote that the two monks were quarreling. That when we say this Guha Charang Nama, that Brahman is well known to be moving in the cavity of the heart. What actually is moving? Not the thing outside. When I see anything moving outside, that movement is perceived in the mind. When the mind uh, moves, then the external uh, thing appears to be moving. Just to give an example, when through the projector we are this light is being focused to the projector to the screen what is happening there is a reel of various pictures all the pictures are stationary but when they move very fast and the light passes through them in the screen the movement happens but as such all the reels the, the, it is if you just see the reel it is just a Series of photos through which the light is passing and the reel is moving very fast to give a sensation of movement. When I move my hand this way, if the photos of all the instances are taken and then through the projector, that all those instances of photo are kept as a reel and you move the reel and focus the camera, the screen will appear to be moving, but actually it is a series of stationary photos. So all the perceptions which are happening is piecemeal perceptions. Like those fixed photos of the camera, the movement is happening within the mind. When this all the succession of steady pictures goes through the mind one after the other, as if the mind moves, that gives me the sensation of movement outside. So what's the Buddhist story? Very nice. It's a very nice anecdote that two monks were just passing by the street and they saw a flag, flag waving in the wind. It was just waving. So one monk told, the flag is moving. The other told, no, the wind is moving. So there was a quarrel between them. So they went uh, to the teacher Went to the teacher, they went to the senior senior monk first and what he told is very interesting is that the mind is moving. Neither the flag is moving nor the wind, it is the mind that is moving and ultimately still they were not convinced. They went to the, the abbot, the senior monk and he told nothing is moving. So this actually speaks of the idea, the Brahman is the one who is not moving. Because of his presence, the mind is moving. And that gives the sensation that the flag is moving and the wind is blowing. This wind is blowing and the flag is moving are the suggestions in the external world. What is actually happening, we don't know. That is interpreted by the mind as the movement of the flag, as the movement of the wind. It's just the example which we give again and again. The external world, outside, nothing as such enters my mind when i see the flower the red flower that redness the color of the flower nothing is going to my mind it is just touching my eyeball and there it ends after that it gets converted into some nerve current what is going to my brain is some nerve current the color is actually when it that that particular nerve current goes to the color perception center. It's just a nerve current, the brain is dark, no light is going there. The color is actually projected from there. The color perception is not actually perception center, it is actually projection center. And that color is projected, it encompasses the so-called flower to give me the sense of redness. So all the perceptions are happening that way. The external world is there just as a suggestion. All the attributes, color, movement, whatever it may be, is actually the projection of the mind. And how the mind is projecting all that thing? Because behind that, the self, which is beyond all movement, which is beyond all attributes, is there activating the mind. When I'm deep in deep sleep, this mind is there, but it is not activated by the consciousness. So I see nothing. When I wake up, my mind is getting activated with the conscious principle and this world pops up. It is popping up from the mind, external world is a suggestion which is there, it is Sat. But it what's the attributes? The attributes are something which are thrown out, projected out from within me. So now you will sign when this is Guha Charang Nama, the Brahman is not moving that the, the, the senior most monk told that nothing is moving. That is the Brahman. But he, when he comes in association with the mind, the mind gets activated. That mind, the intellectual center is the cavity of the heart. That moves. So that's why the thing which you feel in your heart is the self. That because of the self that all the feelings, the perceptions are possible. So he's near. He's sitting within the heart making all those possible. So that's why he's well known to be moving in the cave of the heart. So he's Mahat, because he's the ultimate subject. Because of him, everything gets illumined. But he can never be objectified, because the ultimate subject can never be objectified. Just the way when I'm seeing the world with my eyes, with my eyes I see everything, but with my eyes I cannot see my own eyes. But how I am aware of my eyes, because behind the eyes, the mind is there, where all the things which I see is being processed by the mind. As the mind is there behind the eyes, I know the presence of the mind. So the mind becomes a subject compared in relative to my eyes. Then why not say that the mind is the ultimate? No, I know the presence of my mind. I know that I have a mind. When I think, I know I am thinking. So mind is also objectified. So there must be someone behind the mind. Anything which can be is objectified, cannot be the subject. So there must be something behind the mind. And that's the one which is the greatest because it can never be in any way objectified. So that's the Mahat He's the greatest because he's the ultimate subject. As in the Kena Upanishad, it has been mentioned that the self, because of the self, what is it is that it is revealed. The self self cannot be seen by itself. But it is revealed through each and every mental pulsations. Pratibodha Viditam. Each and every vrittis. Just the way light cannot be seen. Can you see light? We cannot see light. We say, yes, I'm seeing that this room is illumined. If you go to the moon, even in the broad daylight, you will find the sky is dark. The sun is just visible in one spot but the entire thing is dark. Why we see light here? Because earth has atmosphere. The sunlight falls on the atmosphere and this is the atmosphere which is getting illumined. Light by itself is not visible. Light in if you go to the space, it is dark. It's only because the earth we see this illumination because the light is falling on that atmosphere where something is there. This All the air particles are there, which is dispersing the light. Light by itself is not visible. I know the presence of light only when some element is there. I know the existence of magnetic field only when the iron filings are kept in the magnetic field and it starts moving. Otherwise, I don't know. I know that existence of gravitation, when something I just allow to have a free fall, it falls. Otherwise, can I see gravitation? Can I see the magnetic field? But are they not there? They are there because of them. The iron filings are moving. Because of the gravity, there is a fall of the object. The apple is falling. Because of light, light itself is not visible. The thing on which it falls becomes visible, but it itself is not visible. So the same way that each and every thought waves the vritti as it is illumined by the self, and that's how all the pratyayas, the content of the waves, become visible. Means the mind, in the mind, each and every moment there is a pulsation, there's a vritti. It's constantly there. Even in deep sleep, it is there. And what's our knowledge in the wake state? That the external world is as if reflected on it. And as the self is there to illumine what is being reflected, the things get known so that's why it's called pratibodha viditam that he is revealed through each and every viti of the mind with every pulsations of the mind behind that the self is there because of him the the extra the, the world gets illumined so tasya bhasa sarvam idam vibhati as in the kathopanishad it has been mentioned because of him everything gets illumined so that's why he's the mahat he the greatest And Brahman is padam or goal that is to be reached by all. Why it is the goal? Because the next phrase as mentioned, atra etat samarpitam, that like the spokes uh, of a will, which are fixed to the hub. The entire creation is fixed to the hub. That hub is the Brahman. That all are linked to that. Without it, nothing exists. The entire creation is like the spokes And the self is the hub. He is the one. Everything else is zero, as Ramakrishna used to say. That if you go on adding zero after one, the value goes on increasing. Remove the one. Everything becomes zero. So everything becomes valueless uh, if the self is not there. Because of him, everything is. What all things are centered? Ajat, anything that moves. Pranat, anything that breathes. Nimishat. Anything that is winking, cha indicates that doesn't wink, that doesn't breathe, that doesn't move. In in short, everything, animate, inanimate, everything is connected to the self. As has been in Bhagavad Gita, it has been mentioned, na tadasthi, na tadasthi yat, na tadasthi mayabhutam characharam. No creature, moving or non moving, can exist without me. Without the self, they cannot exist. Because of him, everything is existing. Sat asat, the form, the gross matter which I see. And behind that gross matter, the formless, the asat, the subtle, all the piecemeal perceptions congregate together to give the structure of a thing. So everything subtle, all the piecemeal perceptions, as well as the gross thing which I see, anything subtle, anything gross, everything is permeated by that consciousness and consciousness alone. It is Varanyam Param. It is the ultimate adorable. Why? Because of its eternality. We all want to just, what you say, get identified with the self. Why? Because we all want to be eternal. But something within us is echoing constantly that you are eternal. That's the reason for the entire evolution. That because of ignorance, the eternal self gets reflected in the psychophysical cons This being, the psychophysical, uh, this uh, limited being with the psychophysical entity. That is a flow. That is not eternal. But when the eternal Brahman is reflected on it, the ego comes from the reflection that you are eternal. And that's how the ignorance starts. That I am ignorant, that I'm seeing the reflection, I take it to be the real. And try to realize the echo of eternity in something which is a flow. And that has resulted in the entire evolution. That constantly the search for eternity speaks of the selves. This mahat that's the selves. Uh, what you say? That, that Varishtam, uh, that uh, it has been this Varenyam Param, as the ultimate adorable thing. Because everyone wants that. Everyone is aspiring for that. So he is the one who is the ultimate adorable one. So he is Param. So, but at the same time, that Vijnanat, Varishtam, that however, it is not something which can be coveted like any object perceived. That though he's the most adorable one, I cannot go and meet him. I cannot just say, oh, he's the coveted one, the most adorable one. Why? It says, because Vijnanat Varishtam Prajanam. is beyond the understanding of creatures. Because of him, everything is getting illuminated. Just because of light, everything gets illuminated. I cannot see the light. Similarly, the self, who is the ultimate source of illumination of the entire creation, He cannot be as such known objectively. So that's why though he is the adorable one, but still he is beyond the knowledge of all the creatures. As has been spoken of in the Kena Upanishad, Yat Manasa Na Manute Yena Ahu Mano Matam That which cannot be contemplated by mind. You cannot contemplate the self by the mind but by which the mind is known. That's the thing. You cannot, with the mind you cannot know it, but because of it, the mind is known. Just to give an example, in the full moon night, in the sky when I see the moon, apparently it appears it is the moon which is illuminating the earth. The sun is not visible, but we know it is the sun which has illuminated the moon, which in turn is illuminating the earth. So the sun which is not visible is illuminating the moon. The moon cannot illuminate the sun. But seeing the illuminated moon, I know it has been illuminated by something which is not visible. And in turn, which is illuminating the entire earth in the full moon night. So similarly, it is the self which is beyond all comprehension, illumines the mind. The mind in turn illumines the creation. The entire creation pops up. Because of the illumined mind. So, and that mind is illumined by the self, which as such cannot be comprehensible. So, it's beyond the mind. Then, how to know him? In the Kathopanishad, that's a famous mantra is there Paranchikhani Vetrinath We By searching him without, I can never find him. Because our search is always without. We have to dive within. That's Mantra, very famous mantra. Paranchikhani, Vyatrinath Swayambhu, Tasmat Parang Pashyati, Na Antaratman, Kashchidhira Pratyagatmaneshat, Avritta Chakshu, Amritatta Mitchan. Paranchikhani, the Lord, it's a poetical way of expression. The Lord, the ultimate Lord, has inflicted our senses, injured our senses in such a way that it only th- sees the thing outside. Parak. Parak means Outside, these are the two words in Sanskrit. Very uh, significant word: parak and pratyak. Parak means moving out. Pratyak means moving within. So parak. So as the selves, have, the senses have been inflicted by the Lord in such a way that they only see without parak pasyati. not not within. Kashchid dheera, A few fortunate ones; those who have evolved to that state. to have have realized the fact that it is the self which is within, which is illuminating the entire universe. So they in search of the self and how to find him, they have to be dhira. Dhira means wise, dhira means calm. It is only the calm of the person who has already calmed their mind, who is tranquil, who can have the inkling of the self, the knowledge of the self. So this dhira, the calm one, the tranquil one, the wise one, they have realized that by moving out, searching out, I can never find the self. It is have to be searched within. So pratyak atman aikshat, pratyak, the one who is within, sitting within, who is illumining the entire world. So to find him, aikshat means, to in desiring to know the one who is within this pratyaka atman. What they do? Avritta Chakshu. They close their senses because with the senses, by searching out, you will never find him. It's just like the throw-out of a life, like a deer with a musk is in search of the source of fragrance outside, running, getting exhausted. The deer even dies out of exhaustion when they are in search for this fragrance. It is Just within them. So similarly, this in search of the source of our entire, this creation, if we are are just moving out, searching, hither and thither, not knowing that it is within. It is only the dhira, the fortunate ones, the calm one, the wise one who know that it is something within. So they close their eyes. By eyes it is meant all the indriyas. They close. Why to attain that eternity? So we sometimes use this sloka, uh, to uh, explain this sloka with the help of an allegory. You know, if you go to the jail or if you go to the operation theater, you will find in, OP, in OT, operation theater, there are always two doors that it should be uh, kept free from infection. So there are two doors. So when you just enter through the first door, it is all swinging door. You enter and after that, before entering the second door, first you have to sanitize yourself. There are some sanitizers, masks, everything kept between the two doors. So by the the time you have entered the first door, it has automatically got closed and now you have sanitized yourself and then you open the second door. So these two doors are never supposed to be open at the same time. When you're opening the first door, the second door is already closed. That also ensures that no, as such, infections, pathogens can enter. Whatever has entered there, that also you're getting rid of through sanitizing. And then already, the outer door is now closed. Now you open the second door. Even in jail, it is the same thing, that when you enter any jail, any reformatory centers, There also, you will find there are two doors. The first gate, when you open this, they ensure that the second door is locked, that no one should get a chance to flee, run away. So that's why that system is there. The first, the external door, when they open, they ensure that the internal door is closed, is locked. When you have entered between the two doors, the external door is locked first, and then only they will open the internal door. So that way it is ensured that no one can Escape. So, what's the idea that our body is also like that? This all the eyes, ears, these organs of perception are the external gates, and there is a gate in the heart. It is always closed. Why? Because these gates are always open. We are never aware of the gate which is closing my heart the self within is as if enclosed there. I never know it. There are a few calm one who have closed this external gate. For them only the internal gate opens up. Otherwise it's not possible. It's have to. So that uh, there's the same idea we find even in the temples. You will find that the garbhagriha has doors, external doors. As long as they're open, no service means no offering to the Lord is done. Whenever something is to be offered to the Lord, you have to commune with the divine. The external doors has to be closed. When you are offering something, you will find in many of these traditional temples that the Garhagriya, the doors are closed. And you ask what's why it's closed? No, the offering is going on. It's only when the offering is over again, the door will be over open. What is the idea? that you cannot have communion with the divine when as long as these external doors are open. So it has to be closed. And then only you can have communion with the ultimate source of your existence, the soul, the Atman, the Brahman, the ultimate reality. So that's the idea why saying that vijñānāt varishtam prajanam, it indicates that, that as long as we're in search of that adorable one, as we were doing through lives, chasing for eternity, in search of eternity, we are evolving with all external means. It's never possible. This all chase for this material world has to go, or the sunset world has to go. We have to close our eyes, our senses, and dive within. Two, realize the self, the source of our existence, the source of our being. So that's what is being indicated in the first mantra. Now let's proceed to the second mantra. Second mantra of the second chapter of second part of Mundaka Upanishad. Yat Archimat. Yat Anubhya Anucha. Yasmin Loka Nihita Loki cha, Tat Etat Aksharam Brahma Saprana. Tat uvakmanah, Tat Etat Satyam Tat Amritam Tat vedhavyam somya Vidhi. it's very poetic but yath archimat that which is radiant again the idea of luminosity the ultimate source of luminosity, the self yath archimat yet anubhya anu subtler than the subtle cha indicates even greater than the greatest is the subtler than the subtlest again the greater than the greatest yasmin loka nihita Lokinaha, all the various planes of existence, the various celestial planes of existence, and those who are existing there, lokinaha, all is pervaded by the self and self alone. Tat etam aksharang brahma, prana tat Manaha. So that very least is this indestructible Brahman. So. That is the prana, this tat this tat etat aksharam brahma sa prana. All the expression of the vital energy is because of the self. Tat uvak All our speech, our mind, everything is because the self is. The self, because of the self, all these things find the expression. Tat etat satyam tat amritam. So that is the only truth. Why it is the only truth? Because it is Amrita. Because it is immortal. So in Vedanta, the idea, the Sat is defined that which can never be annihilated. That is only true. Everything is a mere projection. I as a physical being is a mere projection, because it's a flow. I was born at a certain point of time, I will live for a certain type period of time, and then there won't be my existence as a physical being. Then is uh, is everything a flow? Now behind the flow there is something which is the substratum of the entire existence because of which all this flow is possible. This samsara, samsara means that which is flowing, the entire samsara is substantiated by the self. Because of the self, the samsara is there. All the flow which I see, samsara, samsara, all the flow jagamyam jagat that everything which is moving in this earth everything is moving everything is changing behind the change is the changeless so he is the amritam and that changeless is eternal that's why it is the satyam so he is the ultimate truth tat beddavyam so you have to pierce that that's your object of what you say this aim that when, when you are shooting an arrow, you have to have some, uh, what you say that the target. So this is the, the self is the target. Your, that your, this Jivatma, the individual self has to merge in the Paramatma. Paramatma is the target. When I shot, when I shot an arrow and it hits the target, it penetrates the target then the arrow as it becomes one with the target. So you have to become one with the self. So that's the idea by tat It has to be penetrated, to be shot at by the mind. So this jivatma has to get one with the paramatma. Somya Vidhi, oh the good natured one. He's saying to the disciple, oh somya. Somya literally means the good looking one, but its real meaning is, it's not just the external beauty. The real beauty is our nature. So the one who is good-natured, who is already calm, quiet, who is in, who has developed the aspiration to relate to that spiritual dimension of existence. he is the somya. So o oh the somya, oh the good-natured one, oh the wise one, oh the calm one. So fix your mind on the immutable with the with So fix, you sh- shoot at it hit the target, know it not as the multitude, but know it as the substratum of the multitude. So that's the idea, that the world entire creation is true, not as the creation, but as the self. As Swami just before he left his body, that's the last sentence he told. He used to say Brahma Satya Jagan Mithya as, but the Vedantic uh, dictum that's what he also always used to do, which are that this world is false, Brahman alone is real. This is just an illusion, superimposition, just the way I see a snake in a rope in the twilight hours. The snake is not there. It has just been superimposed. The world is Mithya in that sense. It is something superimposed. That's true. But why is he saying Brahma Satya, Jagat Satya? In one way I can say it is a superimposition, so it is a false. But I can say it is true as long as the rope is there. Though it is ignorance, I'm seeing the rope as a snake. But if I remove the rope, rope, the snake is no more there. As long as the snake is there, the rope is there. So this rope, this snake is true as long as the rope is there. So this truth is established in that truth. The same idea we find in the In the Shanti mantra, Purnamada Purnamidam, Purnat Purnamudachyate, Purnasya Purnamadaya, Purnam That from this full came that full. When this uh, means this full is visible, that full is not diminished, still it remains full. How can it be? If I have a glass of water, if I pour in the empty glass, that becomes full, this becomes empty. So how can this is this full, even when poured out, remain full? So that speaks of Adhyasa, that this creation is not Parinama. It's not that the God has transformed into the universe. He is as it is. It is just a superimposition. So know that the, behind the substratum, behind this multitude, is the self. It is the one who is appearing as many. There's a unity in the diversity, as Brahman. That's the unity behind all the diversity. Without him, the creation is not. With him, the multitude is possible. Though it is uh, just a mere superimposition, but the superimposition is possible because the self is there behind as a substratum. Now how to strike it? That will be explained in that as the Jivatma, the Jivatma is the arrow which has to strike the Paramatma, the target. How to do that, that will be spoken of in the third and the fourth mantra. So let's read the third mantra. what it is saying it's again through a form of allegory, this uh, idea of piercing the target, the paramatma becoming unified with the uh, the uh, jivatma becoming unified with the Paramatma is being described with the help of some allegory. So what's that allegory as, as has been mentioned in the third and the fourth mantra? First, let us read the third mantra. Dhanu grihitva Upanishadam Mahastram Sharanghi, Upasa Nishitam Sandhaita Sandhaita Ayamya tat Bhavagatena Chetasa Lakshyam tat eva Aksharam Somya vidhi Dhanu grihitya Upanishadam Mahastram. So in Sanskrit, there are two words, astra and shastra. Astra means weapon which has to be shot. And shastra is something which you hold, which which you don't release. Like sword is a shastra. And the arrow is astra. So here, with the dhanu, dhanu means the bow with which you will be shooting the arrow. So what is that bow? That bow is the Upanisha. Upanisha is the Mahastra. So though you are holding the bow, you are not leaving the bow, but it is used to release the arrow. So that's why it is astra. So with the astra, Mahastra called this Upanisha, you have to just hold that in your hand, grihitva, sharam, the arrow. He upasa nishitam sandhaita. So in that bow, You have to first fix the arrow. What is that arrow? The Jivātma. The bow is the Upanishad. The Upanishad is the bow with the, that is the, what do you say, that's, that's the uh, instrument by which you are going to uh, release the arrow, the Jivātma, so that it pierces, becomes one with the Paramātma. Sharanghi Upāsa. And what is the process? Upasa nishitam means what you say that the, the arrow has to be sharpened. So that's how to sharpen the arrow? Upa through upasana. Upasana upasa nishitam means there's upasana nishitam means through upasana. You have to you have to make it tikshna, tikshna means sharpen. If you can, this through the meditation, the arrow has to be sharpened. So that's what is meant by upasa nishitam, sandhaita. Sandhaita means you should fix, so fix the shara in the bow, and then that bow has to be sharpened with upasana. And ayamya, you have to then, when I have to shoot the arrow, first I have to draw the string. So that speaks of. Withdrawing your senses, drawing the string. So ayamya, you withdraw your senses from the sense place, from the sensed entanglements of the world. So ayamya, tat bhavagatena chetasa. So your senses are withdrawn and your mind is contemplating on the consciousness, on the ultimate conscious principle, that is chetana. So tat bhavagatena chetasa. Laksham tat eva aksharam. The target is the Paramatma, the Akshara, Somya Vidhi. So strike it. So taking Upanishad, the great weapon, as the bow, dhanu grihitya the Mahastram, and then one should fix on it, the Sandhayita. You should fix on it. What the sharam, the arrow, the Jivatma, and with, and that has. And then, then that arrow has to be sharpened by meditation, upasa nishitam, upasa nishitam. You have sharpened the arrow and then drawing the string, by withdrawing the senses, Oh, good-natured one, O oh, Somya, hit the very target, lakshyam tat eva akshanam vidhi. that which is imperishable, that which is eternal, that which is the only truth. How, how to do that? with the mind absorbed in its thought. So this Dhanu Grihatva Upanishadam Mahasram. So what actually is the practice of the entire Upanishad, after studying the entire Upanishad, at last I get convinced about the non-dual reality, the Brahman and the Vachaka of the Brahman is Om. So that will be spoken of in the next mantra. So I cannot just go on, uh, discussing on the mantras of the Upanishads and have that concentration. After studying, the conviction develops about the ultimate real to the Brahman, whose vachaka, the word which represents that Brahman, is the Om. So holding onto the Om means repetition of the Om kara. So this is very important. Here you will find in our tradition, whatever may be your Ishta mantra, whatever may be your chosen deity, that when you do the repetition, the Japa, the Ishta is always linked with the umkara, because that's the idea that your Ishta after all is not just a ordinary physical being. He is that ultimate conscious principle. So that's why the umkara is always linked with that. So we are always, when we are chanting that um, we are actually contemplating on Brahman. So use the onkara as the Dhanu. When it says that you, the Upanishad has to be used as the Dhanu, in the next mantra it will be clarified that way. It is omkar, So it is a contemplation of om. Um. With that, you have to sharpen the arrow. The arrow is the Jivatma. By, by doing that Upasana. Upasana Nishitam. upasana Nishitam. So the Jivatma is the arrow, the sharpened by meditation, by means of uninterrupted meditation on Brahman. The individual soul gets rid, rid of all the impurities. That's how the mind, which is having bahuvritti, that lots of this thoughts, vagaries of the mind, the bahuvritti, which speaks of Sarvarthata, the mind with thousands of goals, thousands of uh, parzits, that has to be made Ekavritti to contemplation. That all that I am thinking A, B, C, D, it has to be made. I have each and every vritti should be the same. Ekavritti. And what's that vritti should be? It is the Brahma Kara vritti, the thought of the Brahman in the form, and the thought of the Brahman, I take the help of Onkara to think of that Brahman. So with this Brahma Kara vritti, now that each and every vritti, instead of all those vagaries, it becomes the continuous flow of the Onkara. Japa and behind that it is not just a mechanical uh, reputation behind that, the idea that of that non-dual reality which is the substratum of the entire universe which is my real nature so this is the idea with which I go on contemplating and that contemplation should be followed by the withdrawal of the senses so if the mind has to be made one ekavritti. I cannot continue with the pursuit of the thousands of the pleasures of life. So that's why the senses has to be withdrawn. And the mind has to be totally soaked in the God consciousness. Soaked in the consciousness of your ultimate reality. Means immersing the mind in the thought of Brahman alone. <coughs> and then the target is the Paramatma. The Jivatma has to become one with the Paramatma. When you leave off all the attributes, all the things which defines your limited personality, all those adjectives which define your limited personality, they have to fall off. So that you can become one with the Absolute. The so Paramatma, your ego boundaries falls off. So that is possible only through this type of contemplation. So by contemplating on the meaning of Om and repeating the song, the aspirant realizes his self the to be the reflection of Brahman. It is through this process when the mind gets cleansed, at last you can realize that it is just the reflection seeing which you were ignorantly, we were all ignorantly from life after life chasing after the sunset pleasures of life, thinking to realize the eternity in the physical being, which is not possible. There is through the contemplation of the OM and the reputation of the sound, the aspirant realizes itself to be the reflection of Brahman and hitting the arrow on the target indicates the identification of the Jivatma with the Paramatma. When the arrow pierces the target, the arrow becomes as if one with the target. So that is the identification of the Jivatma and the Paramatma. So it is through the allegory that trying to explain the process by which we can become identified with the self. It is a process of Nididhyasana, contemplation, and that contemplation also extremely intense. It's not a shallow meditation where other thoughts comes and interrupts my ekavritti, Brahma Vritti. In that way, I can never achieve the goal. It has to be sharpened. It has to be one-pointed so that it can help me to pierce the target, the paramatma, and get identified with it. So this is the same, the same allegory, the same simile will be used in the fourth mantra to still further elaborate this process, this process of contemplation on Brahman, which is the only means for going beyond this phenomenal existence and get identified with the self. So that's the mantra, the fourth mantra, we will just read it today and we will go to the discussion of this. This fourth mantra is very significant. We will We will take one full class because it has many layers of understanding. We have to go through that and it will explain that we about our spiritual life, you will find a very clear explanation that what actually the ultimate goal is. For most of us, when we reach a particular milestone and we become satisfied that my spiritual journey is over, that I have attained something, that this is the mantra which will help us to understand that the goal is something still far ahead. We shouldn't stop, we shouldn't be satisfied by reaching just a particular milestone. We have to move ahead. We have to intensify our spiritual practices so that it can lead us to that ultimate spiritual realization. So that's being indicated in the fourth mantra. Sharohi Atma Brahma Tat This word is very important. We will take up in the next class. Sharavat This is another important word is tanmaya. becoming one with that. Bhavet, become one with this. Just pierce it and become one with it. So, what actually it is speaking of? What's the layer of understanding hidden behind this mantra that we will take up again in the next class? With this, we stop our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskars.